This is Life of an Architect, a podcast dedicated to all things architecture, with a little bit of life thrown in for balance. It's almost that gift-giving time of year, and if you have an architect in your life, you know that getting them a gift is not the most pleasurable experience you can imagine. But that's why we're here. Now in its 14th consecutive year, Life of an Architect is putting out the increasingly difficult yet still definitive gift guide for architects. Welcome to episode 139, Holiday Gift Guide for Architects. Special thanks to Construction Specialties for sponsoring today's holiday episode. Welcome to the Life of an Architect podcast. I'm Bob Borson. And I'm Andrew Hawkins. And today we are talking about gifts that you should give to architects other than money, but you should start with the money. <laughs> Look, that's the easiest one. The money or the gift card. Yeah. Just it's solid. That's easy. You know what? I'm an anti-gift card. Are you? I'm pro money, anti-gift card. Interesting. Yeah. I just like it because there's flexibility. What if I give you like an Applebee's gift card? Nobody wants no, that. This is true. That is why cash is better for sure is because it's universally spendable. That's right. It's not stuck at one specific location. This is true. That's right. So if I want to go to a liquor store and spend my holiday cash, I'm not stuck. I go, do you accept Applebee's? And they'll go, no, I don't. (laughs) So look, I went back and I did some math. Yes, this is the 14th year that I have done this. And I got to tell you, it's so crazy hard to do this now. It's really hard. People don't understand. First off, I'm not that materialistic. And when I started doing this back in 2010, which I did the math, you ready for this? 4,728 days ago, the very first Life of an Architect gift guide came out. Wow. That, that was December 15th of 2010. Mm. And I had sweater vests on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I still like a good sweater vest. That's still classic. I got in trouble for it being a little gender specific. Quite honestly, that was one of my first tastes into, you know, not being inclusive. Yeah. I was like, hey, everybody, this is my Christmas list. This is just what I wanted. So I put it on the list for you guys to understand. Yeah. Like what somebody like me might want. And so that was kind of the genesis of what this was, to be honest with you. And the truth is, I started doing this. Here's what's crazy. Now there's a billion of these lists. Like, and I might be conservative by saying a billion. (laughs) When I first did it, there was not a lot of people doing this. It was kind of an easy, cool thing to do. Now, if you type in gift guide for architects, everybody's got one. And what cracks me up, since I never put like Big Bob storage sheds on my website or anything, this gift guide was how I paid all my server costs. For the first several years. Because of like affiliate links? Because I told my wife, I go, you know what? I'm not going to make my quote unquote hobby, which, you know what? If this is a hobby, I'm terrible at hobbies. Yeah. This is not a hobby. This is a job, y'all. So, but I told her, I said, I won't spend household income to do this. Because I was trying to be like a decent contributing member of the family. And so this was my one opportunity for the year. And I'd put some affiliate links going, look, this is literally what I told my family that I wanted. If you want it, great. And if you go click this link, it'll help me pay my server bill. That was the reason I did it, quite honestly. Sure. And now, like, I don't know, four months ago, 
I was at the Dallas Center for Architecture. I was moderating a panel for the Design Awards. And the event ended. It was a great event. A lot of people showed up, like a couple hundred people. It was pretty cool. I'm at the valet stand getting my car. Some guy walks up to me and goes, hey, man, when are you releasing the gift guide? I'm waiting on it because it's what I send to my wife to tell let her know this is what picks them off this list. <laughs> and I keep thinking, maybe this will be the last year. But then stuff like that happens and I feel a little obligated. Okay, I guess I'll keep doing it. But it's not the same. It's not the same as it was in 2010. Now, there's so many of them. It's a crowded space. So take this list for what you will, folks. Us trying to do good. <laughs> maybe you don't love all the gifts, which is fine. So just like last year, Andrew and I all have the same categories, and we chose these categories to select a gift. So for some items for this year's list, they were extremely easy additions, whereas some were extremely difficult. Was that true for you as well? Yeah, yeah. There's always a few. It's funny. It's not always the same ones, because some years I get, I'm like, mm, I got it. And then other years, it's like, oh, man, this is the hardest category that there is this year. And I struggle and struggle and struggle. So Yeah. I feel like I need to come clean right at the beginning before I've shared any items on this year's list to let you know that I either have these items, so therefore they are Bob verified and approved, or I want them, which means if you buy them, we're both at some risk. <laughs> so, But am I going to tell you which one I own and which one I want to own? Maybe. You might have to just figure that out for yourself. So... Yeah, I'm in, the, I'm in the same boat. Some of these I own, some of them I don't. All right, so maybe people can figure out which ones are already pre-vetted and are getting the seal of approval. We're going to go big reveal one at a time, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to take turns. Andrew's going to go first. And so the first category that we're going to talk about is best gift for your bar. We all have bars now. That's decided. Even if you don't have a bar, you have a bar. Yeah. You got something that you used to make drinks, hopefully. Yes. Yes. So mine is actually two items, but you kind of have to have both of them, I think. Really, it could be three. But I have on my list Barfly, that's the brand, 24-ounce mixing glass. And essentially, this is a glass for mixing cocktails. That are stirred, not shaken. Yep. You have a shaker that you use, but then you have this larger mixing glass that you use to mix drinks and not shake them. Yes. You got to have one. Yeah. Totally agree. Typically, the other thing that I have with this is actually a julep strainer, which is just a big enough strainer that you can put over the top of this jar to be able to pour stuff out and keep the ice in it. Both of these are pretty good quality. The Barfly brand is pretty good. Probably also need a, a stir stick but I didn't want to get greedy and have three on here. <laughs> but I also don't think that they're a set. You have to kind of buy these things separately because yes. almost any of the stuff that you buy, like if it's a box set, it's not the best quality of items. That's what I've found on any of my bar utensils and things that I buy when you buy the package stuff. It's not good. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So here's what's funny. I kind of have the same thing. So most people that if you follow me on Instagram or you know whatever, I kind of consider myself an above average mixologist. Home bartender, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I am, I mean, based on some of the cocktails I've gotten at bars, I'm better than a lot of bartenders. I'm just going to say it. You know what? Because I think that we as architects have some personality 
characteristics that lend themselves to the craft of making these sort of cocktails, making them right. Execution matters. In fact, one of the guys I work with, we always joke from like Breaking Bad, we always say, I'm the Walt and you're the Jesse, right? (laughs) And the idea is that the Walt is the genius mastermind with perfect execution and Jesse does pretty good right? He's pretty good. He's better than most, but he still has a little bit of wheels off kind of characteristics to what he does. Mm -hmm. So here's mine. And you will think that this is kind of amusing. Or in your case, you might think I'm greedy. Because (laughs) not only did I put a cocktail pitcher on, I put the four things that I think that you need. Because you can't go buy a set because chances are when you buy a set, one thing will be good. The rest of it you either don't need or is garbage. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is what you need. I didn't put a spoon on here, like a this cocktail pitcher that I'm showing here, which is a 24-ounce cocktail pitcher, which means you can do four cocktails at once. Yeah. It's over a pound. So this is not thin glass. This is not a mm-hmm. beaker quality glass. This is a heavyweight glass. I have a Japanese jigger on there, which I just like to feel them in my hand more, like they're tall. I have big hands, so it's a more comfortable, maneuverable jigger which is the thing that I use to measure out the ounces that I use in a pour. I have a Boston shaker. And the Boston shakers, you know, when like the bartender will like pour their drink in one and they'll put another cup on top of it and kind of smack it together to do a shake Mm -hmm. and then smack it again to open it up. The ones that just have like a cap and a lid to them, those are a giant pain because they'll get cold and they expand and contract and you have a hard time opening them to dump out whatever ingredients you have to make your next cocktail. They're kind of a pain. You want a Boston shaker set. Those are the pro ones. Those are nice. You can just kind of whack them on the side and they'll break open. But the real pro thing that I think everybody should have are these rubber mats. They're on the far right of my screen and you get two of them and they're 18 by 12. There's a jillion of these that you can get. I actually own these two Mm -hmm. and the spacing I can't think of a PC word to call what the little rubber things in the middle should be called. Just the nibs? Let's call them nibs. Yeah, the little rubber nibs. Yeah. Yes, you can buy those and the spacing can be off. And so when you set something down. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't sit. It actually like. It doesn't sit right. It falls in the crack. The edge of the glass might lean into it or something. Yeah. Yes. You don't want that. And these will actually, when you put them on a countertop, they actually grip the countertop because the backside is smooth. Mm -hmm. So none of these items are expensive. And I didn't put the spoon in there because you know what? I don't care about it. You can buy whatever spoon you want. It really doesn't make the difference. Mm. If you want a strainer, get a strainer. Doesn't matter. They're all the same. Who cares? But these things in particular. Funny are important. So if you're a craft cocktail person or if this is something you're interested in doing, these are the four things that I think will help you make a better cocktail. So that's my that's my list. I would disagree about the spoon, but that's about it. Yeah, but I so you can buy a spoon and they're twisted so you can pour your carbonated beverages down so it doesn't aerate them and make bubbles, all that kind of stuff. But there's a billion of them out there. I'm not saying you don't need one. I'm saying I don't care which one you get. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You're not concerned yeah. about the brand. I thought you were saying you don't need one. And I had to say that you do need one because you can't just use like a kitchen tablespoon to do that stuff. No, you 100% need one. Okay. It doesn't matter which one you get. Yes. So go buy the cheapest one you can get your hands on. Sure. Yeah. Although I just like, I typically like tall ones. That's the thing you got to watch on those is they come in different heights. And so I don't want it to be 
barely taller than that 24-ounce mixing glass. Yeah, sure. 15 or a 17-inch stir stick. Oh, yeah. Sure. That's fair. But there's so many different options. They're all just a couple dollars anyway. It's, it's just not that big a deal. Yeah. That's my gift guide. So ours are very similar in that regard. That's funny. So let's move on to the next one, which is best gift for your desk. The thing that kind of kills me about this one is there's not that many things that I really want to put on my desk. And so I've found that over the last couple of years, I seem to choose desk lamps. That seems to be, oh, Bob bought another desk lamp this year for his desk. And you know what? This year's no different. <laughs> oh, really? I tried to find something different because I was like, oh, look, a lamp, a lamp. And actually, I bought two new desk lamps for my office this year, but I didn't want to put them on a list because I felt like, oh, I just did that last year. I, it's like you're like, oh, I'm going to get made fun of because this is what I got. So the one I chose is actually called the Screen Bar by a company called Halo. It is not cheap. It's $179. And I took some flack last year from somebody who's in the Colorado region for calling me out for my Artemide Ptolemyo desk lamp. And for him, it was just about the light. I go, well, this is about light and it's cool and it's a notable art design artifact. Like there's more to it. He's just not that guy, which is fine. So where I sit now, you know, we just moved into new offices. We decided to save a dollar and not put the overhead lights above my space and the other two principles that I sit by. There's no dimmer. So when the lights are on, you could perform surgery in my desk area. Mm -hmm. It's so bright. It's obnoxious. It's terrible. So we turn the lights off 100% of the time. I have no lights in my workspace. Yep. So the desk lamp becomes important. And I've tried a couple, and I have more than one. The one I put on the list a couple of years ago that was like $28 or something, still use it. It's a nice lamp. It's not a beautiful design thing, but for under $30, it's a killer lamp. It works great. So this light that I chose, what makes this one nice is it's small. It clips to the top of your monitor, and it works with radius screens. All you got to do is you got to have like a flat top to your monitor. Like mm -hmm. That's all you need. And so what's nice about it is you get this asymmetrical light distribution. So even though it clips at the top, it doesn't rake across your monitor itself, but it actually throws itself out from straight down out to the front of your desktop. And you can see I have a graphic here that talks about how just eight inches, 20 centimeters out from the desk, it's like 875 lux. You go out 40 centimeters, it's at 500, and you go out to 50, it's at 300. What's nice about it, it's got a controller that sits separate on the desk that allows you to rotate. There's two cool things that it does. Not only can you adjust the color temperature, meaning you can go from a very cool white 2500 Kelvin up to a very butter yellow 6500 Kelvin, mm -hmm. depending on what you want. It will auto detect the amount of light that's in your space and you can set the amount of light that you want and it will auto dim for you throughout the day. So you can maintain a static level of total illumination. That's pretty nice, man. That's awesome. That's actually really nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, again, $179. It's not cheap. No. It's very minimal. And what's nice about it is that it really clips on one monitor. And I don't know if you're, I know your setup has like 8 billion screens. So I use two. 
I have one that's like directly in front of me. I have one primary monitor and mm -hmm. then I have another one that's just set to the side. Yeah. I don't sit at the midpoint where the two monitors come together. I sit in front of one monitor and the second monitor is just slightly off to the side. I put my camera on the second monitor is where I keep my camera. So this would allow me to put my light on my primary, which is the one that illuminates my workspace right in front of me. This is a great light fixture. Expensive, but very, very nice. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking, I have three. So I have a primary one and then two on either side. And it would just sit in the middle on my primary one. It would be nice. Yeah. There you go. I recommend it. It's Bob approved. And you, do you own that one already? No, I don't own this one. Oh, okay. This one I am going to buy. I've done so much research because I want an, I want one to, that will auto dim for me. What's the power source on it? Do you plug it in somewhere or? It's USB. You can actually plug it in. Oh, so you just plug it in your computer. Yeah. So, well, I can plug it into my, into my monitor. Oh, nice. My cable management's nice and tidy. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't have to have any cords dropping down. That is nice. I'd never sit at my desk without my monitor powered up. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm not using my computer, my computer is turned on and I have power going through my monitor, even if my monitor is off, so I can always have my light on still. Mm -hmm. So thumbs up. Nice. nice. Yeah. All right. What's your best gift for the desk? <laughs> well, I kind of went a little weird because I'm in the process of trying to outfit my office at home now. And so I've got a chair, a Laura Davison Soho padded chair. It's kind of a mid-century looking chair that goes from low height to tall height. So I could have it at a drafting height desk or at a normal sitting height desk if I wanted to. So it's a good looking chair. My adjustable desk, you know, I can kind of sit at any different height that I want to. And this one's really important to me because it actually, it has enough rise distance. So it goes down to 23 inches and up to 35 inches. Mm. For me, that top end is really important. A lot of them cap out at like 30 inches or something. And that's not really tall enough for me that I want to sit at a drafting desk. So I thought a really nice chair, kind of a black leatherette. It comes in a couple of other colors, I think, like a brown and a white. But of course, I would have a, a black chair. Yeah, a tan, I guess. I have one question for you. Mm -hmm. And you can decide to leave this in or not. It doesn't have adjustable arms. It does not. That's the downfall, I think. For some people, they're like, uh, I never adjust them anyway, so it's, it doesn't really move the needle. Me, because I have monkey arms, I actually set my arms at my armrests at two different heights. Interesting. And I find when I'm working, I rarely use my armrests. When I'm actually typing and stuff, my armrests aren't really engaged. If I'm just sitting and doing something else, I might. But that's why I wasn't too concerned with it, because me personally don't engage with the armrests all that often yeah. when I'm actually doing work. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It's also got a place for you to put your feet, which is kind of important if you lift the chair up high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's got that foot ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. What does that cost? It's $420. All right. So it's kind of a pricey chair. I mean, as far as chairs goes, I'm not sure it is, but as far as like well, that versus a bag of gummy bears. Well, yeah. You know, maybe it's so. expensive. Yeah. All right. I dig it. Okay. Yeah. You got to get the black. Yeah. Right. You don't want the tan. Yeah. That saddle tan or whatever it is. I don't like. Yeah. I mean- it's a nice leather, but I wouldn't want it Yeah, as, a, as my chair. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to the next one. And you get to lead off on this one. Best gift for your kitchen. Oh, yeah. Okay. This one is interesting to me. Maybe this is my theme as well because I've tied some stuff together. But this one kind of goes with the bar aspect a little bit. But I have chosen a on-the-counter ice maker. 
Ooh. One of those little on-the-counter ice makers. Yeah. That makes nugget ice. You know, Sonic type ice or whatever. It's only like, makes like 34 pounds. It's a little bin. It's not much. I mean, 34 pounds of ice is a lot of ice. Well, that's not capacity. I think that's in a 24-hour period is where they say it can make that much. Well, I'm assuming that you don't eat so much ice that it's eventually going to get full. This is true. Yeah, that's a lot. This one's a little bit less expensive than the, like GE makes an, a GE Profile makes an Opal, one that, that's their countertop nugget thing that's like $500. But this one's only a 230 so it's not too bad. Comes in a bunch of colors, but I would get stainless steel or black. I don't necessarily like the ice that comes out of my ice maker or my refrigerator. Like I want something different. What shape is it? Is it crescent? Yeah, it's just the giant, huge crescent stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's the big stuff. So I don't, I don't really like that. And so I've been looking at these for a while, and this one seems to have pretty good ratings. So it may end up on my counter here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. You know, people and their ice, it's out of all the years I did residential work, <laughs> it's one of the most hotly contested. Yeah, yeah. The only kind of evolution that has moved the needle where the making of ice has been concerned is now you can get refrigerators that can make like two inch sphere ice balls. Like they can make craft cocktail ice. Oh, really? You can get a refrigerator that makes that? Interesting. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. But other than that, it was all about, well, do you want nugget ice? You want crescent ice? You want chewy ice? You want clear? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I've spent uh, like literally days of my life talking about ice. Ice cubes. Yeah, I imagine. I yeah. imagine. Yeah. All right. I went a completely different way. And look, I'm ready to take some heat on this one. I'm not going to lie. Not because I don't think it's worth it, but you're either going to be hot or you're going to be cold on this. So what I went with was a pasta machine. Oh. And this is a made in Italy, a Mercato 150 pasta. I actually own this machine, right? I own it. So I, I, have, I have this belief that architects as a group of people are predisposed to fussiness, <laughs> right? I, I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, but we are a very particular group. Yeah, so the idea that you would want to craft something very particular and something very simple but master it is something that I think, for me, I find very appealing. You know, it's part of the reason I did barbecue the way that I did it. It's the reason I do cocktails the way that I do it. And it's like pasta. Like I could go buy dried pasta, whatever, barilla pasta, and it doesn't cost that much money. Or with like almost no effort at all, I can make my own pasta dough at my house and it's like a billion times better. But that's kind of lame. You just like making dough in your house, like whatever, loser, which I don't actually believe that. I'm like, you're the coolest person I've ever met if you're making your own pasta dough. But this tool allows you to do way more like say you and your spouse want to do something together like you want to cook together you want to do something that's that's craft oriented you want to make ravioli you want to make tortellini this whole thing so what i have included is i have a machine and i'll include the links to all these there's a machine there's roller wheels there's ravioli stamps that are both square and round i even have one where if you want to make dumplings you could it's not my thing but the idea that i can make my own Parpadelle or Tagatielli. I, I can't say, I'm not Italian. I can't say these right. But like, there's something very cool about it. It's an activity. And I think it's a family activity in my mind. So you're not just buying a product that gives you a thing. You're buying something that allows you to create memories and activities and group events and something you can bond over. 
That's what this meant to me. So I have a machine, I have some a couple of tools, which are not expensive at all, and this Mastering Pasta book. So this is a full-on kit that you can buy somebody, your architect, best friend, or whatever, and you've just created untold evenings of entertainment and bonding, in my mind. It's a good book, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I can see myself going one of two ways with this was like, this is great and I try it and I'm terrible at it and I throw this machine across my kitchen. <laughs> or or I really get into it and it's like so great. Well, none of it's crazy expensive. It's very simple. There's a process to it. And, yeah. and really what you're buying is the process, not the product. That's what this represents. So part of the reason I got this is my wife and I, we when we went to Finland a couple of years ago, we took the ferry across the Baltic Sea, and we went to Estonia, we are walking around the old town, and we popped in this place to eat, and we both got this ravioli. There were different ones, but we both got a pasta dish, and it was amazing. And all I could think of was, this would be a lot of fun for us to actually try to make ourselves. And so, mm-hmm. literally everything I'm sharing with you now, I bought, and I bought it a couple of years ago. The one knock is... It's kind of a pain to clean this thing. Like you don't just chuck it in the dishwasher. Like, oh, yeah, I bet. You got to hand wash it. But you know what? Get over it. It's not that big a deal. Like there's two minutes of your life. I think you can handle it. That was my gift selection for your kitchen. Huh? More from Life of an Architect in just a moment. Andrew and I are visiting today with Scott Boyer, who has been with Construction Specialties for 26 years, where he has served in various roles, including estimating, sales, and currently is product specialist within the Expansion Joint Division. Scott works with architects, contractors, and representatives where the application of the Expansion Joint System comes into play. The primary focus of his role is to help solve movement issues with building structures that can range from one inch to five feet and greater. Hi, Scott. How are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's our treat. Yeah. Where are you this morning? I'm actually in Atlanta this morning. Oh, okay. All right. Most of the time we catch you guys and you're somewhere cold. You're not somewhere cold. You're somewhere warm like us. I'm going to be heading back to uh, Pennsylvania this, this afternoon. So, Since you are a product specialist in expansion joint covers, let's start our conversation there and at the beginning. So can you tell me, for those that are listening that may not already be intimately familiar with them, can you tell me what they are and where they are typically found? Expansion joint openings are typically found are complete structural separation of building structures. The expansion joint systems are the products that span those joint openings and allow those buildings to move independently based on whatever's causing the movement. It could be wind, it could be thermal, or it could be seismic. Expansion joint openings typically are found at new to existing conditions or very long buildings. So if you think about an airport terminal, they're cut into smaller pieces. And typically, they're the metal strips that go across the floor at the airport. Wow. You know, we said in the beginning that you deal with building movement issues that can span up to over five feet, and that's pretty substantial. So how do you approach a project when an architect has a need for that system? Typically, when an architect reaches out, they need help with transitions. We end up asking a series of questions. We need to know, hey, what's the joint size? What's your novel joint opening? The second question is, is okay, what's your movement? How big is that joint going to get? How small is it going to get? And what type of movement is causing the movement to occur? Then we really want to know about, depending on where you're at in the building, 
So understanding what type of building the joint system's going in, it may need to have different properties. Great. So I think one of the biggest challenges for us as architects, expansion joints tend to be interrupters of our design. There's this big strip happening somewhere. So how do you guys deal with that idea of expansion joints being design interrupters? Yeah, they're never at the most opportune place. They usually happen where they happen and they're continuous and you really can't forget about them because there's going to be an opening in the floor. So you just can't say, oh, I can ignore that because it's going to be there. The systems that we use have different recesses that can maybe incorporate some finishes into, like say the floor joint or the exterior wall joint assembly. Some of the interior wall and ceilings may be able to be painted to match to help disguise those expansion joint systems. Especially when you start getting to the much larger systems, this incorporation of finishes is huge because if you have a very large joint, the last thing you want to see is a very large plate. So once you start to get fairly large expansion joint systems, you'll want to integrate more finishes into those systems. I can imagine. Yeah, those five footers. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. What are some additional factors that people should consider when they're specifying their expansion joint solutions, because they also have the ability or the necessity to deal or address situations where fire and water intrusion are a major consideration. The one thing we run into quite often is from the structural engineering side, they think of only the structure. The joint's going to close down to zero and, and open up twice its size. That becomes a problem for the architect who needs to maintain the fire rating. You have to put something into that joint opening to maintain your fire separation. So you want your fire protection to survive that movement. And if the slabs slam together, obviously it's going to damage the fire barrier. Those are some of the factors that we end up fighting day in and day out is that joint closing to zero. So we try and work with structural engineers and the architects and really get involved early. As far as waterproofing, water integrity is huge for the exterior and the roof of the building and tying those joint systems together. So understanding how those all interact with one another. Every project's different. Every project has different facade systems, different roof systems. So to maintain water tightness is to make sure that you have a properly flashed system and allow that movement to occur. Sure. Okay, Scott. Well, look, I appreciate you taking your time to speak with us today about expansion joint covers and and a holistic kind of solution approach that sometimes needs to be considered when putting these things together. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Construction Specialties is so focused on the importance of mastering movement that they have created CEUs specifically on mastering the movement of buildings. Each course is worth one AIA HSW learning unit and is part of the Mastering Movement Academy by CS. Visit MasteringMovement.net to take this and other courses. The next one we have up is Best Gift Under $20. I went back and I looked at the gifts that I'd gotten in the past. And you know what? They typically were lame. I'm just going to go, you know what? I'm sorry, everybody. I chose a Lego mug last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that was a great one. That's not bad. I look back at some of them. They're not too bad. It wasn't terrible, but it, uh... none of them seem to have been like keepers. Outstanding things that I'm going to hang on to for the next four years after I, you know, after I. Yes. So I will tell you, one of the things that's been on my mind a little bit lately is the idea that 
maybe I don't want to have as many chemicals that I don't know their origin <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you know? Okay. So I remember I was doing laundry two weeks ago, and I want my clothes to smell good. Like, I'm all up on my washing business. So I have the right kind of laundry detergent. I have, like, the little beads that you put in the laundry so that your stuff smells nice. Pull it in the dryer, and I got the dryer sheet so I don't get static clean. I'm like, mm. I was like, there's a lot of chemicals that are going into this process. And it started just kind of like making my brain itch a little bit, if I'm being mm -hmm. honest. So what I decided that I was going to do, I do not own these yet, but I'm going to own them. Like this is a, I'm going to lean into it, mm -hmm. is 100% yep. New Zealand wool dryer balls. You can buy these. There's a jillion them. These ones I like actually because they're regular. Like you can buy them in the shape of pigs or like all it is is a ball of wool and it's supposed to help your clothes dry faster. So that means you're burning less energy drying your clothes. If you want your clothes to smell good, you can put essential oils in these things while you chuck them in the dryer, but it doesn't put like a waxy coating of who knows what on your clothes. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's starting to matter to me. Like maybe I'm slow to that game a little bit. Yeah. My friend Tori Wickard would probably say, yeah, you're totally slow to that game. But you know what? I'm in. And what's happening here is I've got two different ones. There's six per package, and I'm showing two. One is a gray and one is a white. And if you're that person, and I am that person, where I separate in my lights and my darks, you use the white balls for the lights, and you use the gray balls for the darks. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. Yep. And each one of these is like $9. So... You can buy 12 wool balls for both your light and your dark for under $20. Mm -hmm. Boom. There you go. Yeah. So that's my under $20 gift. Doing the world and the earth a favor. You're welcome. I've been using dryer balls for like a decade now. So. Oh, you've been using these? Do you love them? They get the Andrew seal of approval? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have exactly those, but yeah. I haven't put a dryer sheet in anything in years. Yeah. Years and years and years. Yeah, I need to do better. So that's what I got. That's on my under 20 list. All right. Well, <laughs> my review of the past few years really yielded the same result of like, mm, these gifts aren't really that great. And not even that they weren't that great, but again, that they were things that weren't, that didn't have a long shelf life probably once I got them. So I really leaned into that pretty hard. Okay. <laughs> and ended up going with something that we've talked about, I mean, a couple of times, I guess, but in various various conversations that we've had about other things. And so I have chosen to go with a mixed pack of ramen. <laughs> Ooh, those are good ones. So That's the Samyang. The Samyang, yeah, the bold egg. So I may have been making a lot of ramen over the past year. <laughs> and again, I'm trying to find like good, higher quality ramen, right? Not like yeah. whatever the garbage stuff that's like a 99 cent stuff. So you get these five packs, and I think it's about $17, All right? So they're about three or four bucks a piece, which is, is not bad. But this is a variety pack that you can get a bunch of different flavors. You know, I'll make them at the house, and I'll put all the accoutrement on them. Sometimes I'll actually even fry up a little bit of Spam to go with them, and I'll put some. Sure. Or some, or some pork or something like that. So, I mean, I get into it an egg and green onions and chives and all that kind of stuff. So for 20 bucks, I figured, well, if if it's not going to last very long, it might as well be something that's consumable. And so here's a here's a good shot of you know making some ramen at home that's higher quality, but 
you know, saves you some time. And they're bigger, the Manchurian ones. Yeah, those are. These garbage. are really, yeah. really good. Now, I will tell you, if you like hot, this is your jam. Yes, I know. These are good ones. They have one that's an orange packaging. It's like it does. It's not a flavor. Yeah. yeah. It's just orange. That's the one I get. It is not advertised as being hot. But let me tell you, it's hot enough. Yeah. You're all your face is watering like all the you're like, oh, this is it. It's so good. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. It's like it's yeah. it they're look, it they're really good. They're way better than the grocery store one. Yeah, so yeah. this is, yes, thumbs up as a if you're a ramen eater, this is the way to go. I've made so many of these. And if you're not and you're curious, this is a good introduction to good or better quality ramen. How about that? Yes. 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 I agree with that. That's my under 20. Okay. Well, the next one we have on our list is the best tech gift. And you get to go first. Yeah. And this one was, again, one of those ones that gets harder and harder for me every year. I don't know. It just seems like at some point, and I know I'm, a, I'm kind of a, like, this should be my jam, this category. It should, Yeah. You'd think. But it seems like the longer and longer things go on, the harder and harder it gets to me to find something here. Because I don't know that there's things that are like that new that really fascinate me, or I feel like they're way too costly for this list. I feel bad. So I went with something. I think it would be useful in certain circumstances, and it would be really useful if I traveled more, I think. Okay. It's a camera attachment that essentially lets you hold and treat your phone like a camera. I got you. I see it. And so it's really just, it's kind of the side piece that looks like a DSLR handle. And it's got a, a snap button on the top of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Ooh, I like it. I actually like that. But then it works with iPhone 12 and up. So it actually just uses the magnet in the back of your phone to attach. Mm -hmm. That's what that circle is. And it also is a battery charger. So, like, it charges your phone while you use this as a camera. I'm in. I'm in. It lets you hold it like a regular camera and you can turn it the other direction, too. But, again, it's also a wireless power bank. It also does some Bluetooth stuff. So it's a really kind of cool thing. And then, again, they also have it like a dock. So, yeah. yeah well, hey, now one of the things you got to point out, because this is the thing that sells it for me, is when it snaps on, it's got that thing on the end that you hold onto with your hand. Yeah. Right? That makes it feel kind of like a camera. Uh -huh. But that piece that you hold onto actually has a button on it that activates the camera the picture. So yes. you're, not, you're not holding it with one hand. And then having to use your other hand to push the take the photo button. Yeah, no. It's on the one thing. It's yes, on there. Yes, I'm in. Love yeah. it. Uh, yeah, this is cool. I yeah. like this. This company, it's called Shift Cam, but this is their Snap Grid product. They have like lens packages and stuff for your phone that are like make better lenses. But I think this one is really the thing. Yes. The one to get because again, it's pretty compact. It makes your phone a lot more useful. I think if you're traveling, or if you're going to some event or something where you know I'm going to be just taking pictures a lot, this would be the thing to get. Because, yep. you know, now really nobody, rarely people are going to travel with an additional camera. You're just going to use your phone. But this makes it much more friendly to use and feels like a camera. And I think to me, it's just more manageable. My hand's not going to be hurting after the end of the day from trying to hold it all weird and funky to be able to take a picture and stuff. You know, I would have put this in the gifts that nobody knows, oh. like the best <laughs> gift that nobody. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Because yeah. like. I go, I'm in. I love it. Yeah, this is a good one, folks. You guys should check it out. Yeah. So. Dang it. I hate the idea that you might win best gift. I don't know. We'll see. 
I don't know. I like it. I'm in on that one. Okay, so my best gift, my best tech gift, I struggled with. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I'm feeling good about my selection because I can endorse it because I use it and I've used it for a while. And it also allows me to talk about how much weight I've lost this year. So <laughs> what I have. Okay. Uh, well, now I know what it is, but yeah. All right, let's go. You no, know, you don't know what it is. Okay. Do you know what it is? What's your guess? I think I know what it is. Go ahead. Just keep going. No, no, I want. Come on. Go on the record. What is it? Well, it's your Fitbit tracker. Oh, yes. That's what it is. Of course. <laughs> but this is the Charge 6. So I have the Fitbit Charge 5. The Fitbit Charge 6. They're literally almost identical. There's a button on the side that you actually can use for some stuff that I can't use. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> What's good about this? So I hate wearing watches. I don't wear rings. I don't, I don't like stuff clinging to me. And so it took me a little bit of time to adjust wearing this, but it doesn't have to be tight. Like that's one of my things. I don't like tight and it still functions. But this thing has like a billion different things that it monitors. And I use it for primarily for three things, even though it'll tell me my blood oxygenation. It will tell me my heart rate. It will tell me my standing skin temp. I mean, it tells me like 25 different things. Mm -hmm. What I use it for is I use it for step count, like activity. If I go exercise, I want to monitor all that kind of garbage, heart rate, make sure I'm in the right zone for burning fat or making like whatever I want to do. I also want it to monitor my sleep quality. You heard me talk about it for years. I don't sleep well and I'm worried about becoming a psychopath. So this is the thing that monitors when I'm awake, when I'm asleep, am I in REM, am I in light, or am I in deep sleep? Like, what am I getting? It gives me a score, but it categorizes it and keeps track of it for as long as you want. I can go back for the last two years and look and see what my sleep pattern has been. And I can find out, well, if I go to sleep by this time, I do better than if I go to sleep after or if I wake up at this time, this is better than if I wake up at that time. Like I can start to depict the patterns. But the other thing that allows me to do, and the other thing I've included, which is on the right-hand side of the screen, is a smart scale. And what I've included is this Renfo, it's a weird way to spell it, Renfo smart scale. It's a $20 scale, but it's Bluetooth and it syncs to this app. So when you step on it, it'll tell you your muscle mass, your BMI, your weight, all that kind of stuff, and it will log it, which means you can set goals for yourself and track your progress over time, which I don't know for you, for me, that makes a difference because it's a little bit of motivation to see like, am I moving in the right direction? Have I taken a step backwards? All that kind of good stuff. Mm -hmm. Kind of capturing all that data makes a difference and motivates me to continue moving forward with it. And I'll tell you, since January 1st, of 2023, I got on a scale and I weighed 200. I'm six one and I weighed 223 pounds. And this morning I weighed 198 pounds. And all I've done was I started paying attention to what this stuff was telling me. That was it. Nothing crazy. Like I haven't done anything like bananas. Mm -hmm. And I go, this charge six right now, it's a hundred dollars. That's it. It'll do everything. I can get text messages on it. It'll tell me if my phone's ringing. There's nothing that I need to do that it won't do. It does geo-tracking, which means I can go for a walk, which I did last night. 
and I don't need to bring my phone with me, and it will GPS track my walk for me on my watch. And it's so light that I can also sleep with it, and I don't feel it. Highly recommend. This gives a thumb up. I've been using it for a long time. And it just kind of goes, I couldn't figure out what a tech gift I should get was. And somebody goes, why don't you do that? Because you use it all the time, so clearly you like it. I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So that's my tech gift. Yep. Sounds good. Thumbs up. Okay. Moving on to the next gift that we have is the best gift for a young architect. This was hard. Mm -hmm. This was a hard one. Me too. And I actually asked a bunch of young people in our office, like, hey, what do you think you would want as a gift since you're a young architect? And at first, they didn't know how to answer that question. And they're like, well, what does that actually mean? I go, well, so like last year, I put a $375 stool on there. Which you go, that sounds expensive for a stool. It is. This is not a gift that a young architect would buy for themselves. It's something that somebody else would buy for a young architect that they will keep. That is a notable piece of furniture. No architect would ever throw this stool away. So this is something that they might not be able to afford for themselves, but they'll keep it for the rest of their lives. The horsepower weight on something like that's pretty high in my book. Mm. So I go, that's worth doing. So I was thinking about it. So I, they sent me a couple things and everything on their list was like a billion dollars. I was like, what, what about our conversation made you think that a Porsche Boxster would be a good <laughs> gift for a young architect? Like, come on. Yeah, let's man. be realistic a little bit here, people. Yeah, come on. So, one of the things I've noticed is that biophilia, plants, people having house plants, like, that's become like much more of an important kind of needle mover for a lot of people. Most people that I have a conversation with or have the opportunity to have a conversation, they all have house plants and they all talk in various degrees of success. Like, I have a bunch of house plants and they're I'm killing it. Apparently I have the greenest of thumbs. Mm. So I've been on the lookout for cool ways to put cool plants in my where I live, right? So one of the things that I found, and it's not it's not crazy expensive, is this right here. You see that? Yep. So what this is, this is from CB2. Mm. That's a very like regularly accessed kind of designer website. And this is, I don't, I can't even pronounce it. It's like a Seminyak gray indoor outdoor cement planter. Mm. The one that I chose is the large version, which means it's 11 inches in diameter and it's about 16 inches tall. It's big enough to put a big plant in or to have something that could cascade over the top. And this one, when I went and checked the weight on it, measures out at 14 pounds, which made me look deeper because I was like, there's no way if that's solid concrete, that would weigh 14 pounds. That would weigh way more. So this is actually a sand cement fiberglass mixture, which is what gives you that look without having it weigh 80 pounds. Mm -hmm. So it's not plastic. This is not, it looks like it is concrete. It's made with sand cement, but fiberglass, not aggregate. So you get like the nice holidays in the outside face. It's a lovely shape. And it's 80 bucks. And I go, you'll keep it forever. Why wouldn't you keep this? If you decide to get bored in your house, you can stick it outside. It's cement. Mm. It'll be all right. Mm -hmm. 
And you can buy different sizes. So, like, you see this picture on the left? This is the tall yeah. one. This is the one that's 16 inches tall. Yeah, I see all the other ones there. So, you can get shorter and wider ones based on how big. Like, if you want to put a fiddle fig in here, you could. It'll work. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that was my... It's not specific to being young, but it's specific to this is what a lot of the young architects in my office have some interest in, is, you know, getting more biophilia in their lives, at their desks, in their house, growing plants. Like when I was their age, I didn't have a house plant. Yeah, yeah. But when I did a straw poll, like who who has plants in their house? Like that's a thing. That's like something you have some passion about. Literally 100%. Interesting. For a second, I thought you were going to bring up this thing called Easy Plant. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but... Yeah, where they, they mail you a plant. Yeah, but it's this self-watering thing like that's supposed to really make it easy for you to keep them alive. But that's interesting. Those are pretty cool pots, I must admit. It's cement. Who would want that? As an architect, I, it's the trouble that I have is finding pots that I like. You know, because most of the time, they're not very attractive. Yes. I did almost put a different one on here. It was made with metal. But the only color it came in was pink. And I'm not anti-pink. Yeah. But that's like, you gotta, you're got you going for a specific kind of vibe. Like, that's not the most mm. decor-friendly color, necessarily. Like, that's got to be your thing. Yeah. It's, again, not everybody loves pink, so. But those, those pots would fit anywhere, looking at the color yeah. scheme. All right. So, what do you got? What's yours? <laughs> I went in a completely opposite direction, of course. So, I was thinking about what might be useful. That's fine. And again, I may be completely wrong here on this, but in my mind, and maybe I was thinking more about even students as being young architects. So what I've got here is a secondary portable monitor screen that essentially you can just hook this up with a cable to your laptop and your laptop powers it. And it's about the size of a laptop. It's a 15.6 inch screen. I look to find bigger ones, but this is as large as they make right now. And it's just a secondary screen for your laptop so that you can have two screens while you're working on your laptop. It's almost like an iPad, like a bigger iPad type weight and feel, but all it is is a portable screen. It just gives you the ability to have a little bit more screen space, which I think when you're working on a laptop, you kind of want most of the time. So, and this one has like a cover that's built into it so you can cover it up and you just fold it up and put it in your backpack yeah. right next to your laptop and roll on. Yeah. Everything about this says iPad minus keyboard. That's cool. I can see why somebody would want this. And it's 100 bucks, so it's not too bad. Yeah, that's not crazy. And I mean, I've, I've seen a couple of students toting them around my building, and I was always like, mm, that's pretty cool. So it may not be that useful for a young employee person, but for students, I think this would come in, in super handy Yeah, to give you some more real estate when you're working on stuff. I know students are always like watching movies or TV shows or something while they're working or I don't know how they do it, but they do it. So you could just put Netflix on this one and still have your screen to work on and it wouldn't be like a tiny little thing up in the corner or whatever while you're doing that. So yeah. All right. Thumbs up on that one. That makes sense. That's a good gift. Okay. How many categories were you left? We got three, three categories left. Three. All right. So we're getting to the end. Best gift for a seasoned architect, right? So we did the young, and now we're doing the old. Yeah. And it's funny, as we sit here, my gift is, again... A pill dispensary. (laughs) Yes. Seven days a week. Actually, no, it's the whole month. All 28 days, you put your pills in it. No, it's... I have both, so that we're not going to try to be a problem, but I'm going to show you just the one. 
It is a quarter zip fleece pullover. I had one of those on my list a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's funny because we're both wearing them right now as well. So I have this Amazon Essentials. There's a men's and a women's. They come in a bunch of different colors. They're not very expensive. I have two of them. They're just comfortable. In reality, they're just comfy. That's pretty low cost right there. And I think that in reality, everybody gets, or when you get a little bit older, this might be a kind of a staple in your wardrobe, but also it's good to have around. It's good to have around the office or in your car or anywhere just because even if you get cold or something happens and you can just throw it on over what you're wearing, but it's not like a sweatshirt. It looks to me, it's a little bit nicer than a sweatshirt in a way. And it's funny, I started to think about it. I'm like, it's almost required clothing, I think, when you get over a certain age. When you're walking around conventions and stuff, at least in the male category, there's a lot of older male architects that this is what they're sporting in some way. So I kind of found that amusing. Really simple, again, straightforward and and pretty practical on this one. Not getting crazy here. The thing that cracks me up about that, like I've had to buy a lot of new clothes. My height and the weight that I was at, no one ever looked at me and go, like, you're gross. Like, I didn't have that problem. But now I'm at the point where people are like, are you okay? (laughs) like, they're like, are you not sick, are you? I mean, I've been pretty consistent with my weight for a long time, and so me losing 25 pounds is a lot. Most of my clothes fit me extremely poorly now. Mm -hmm. So I have been buying a lot of athleisure wear over the last six months. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to getting cold, but all of my, I have a bunch of North Face, and I have like a lot of nice kind of heavy quarter zip pullover kind of stuff that I wear. Mm-hmm. They're all XXL and it looks like I'm wearing a tent now. The problem is, is I don't really want to go replace what is probably several hundred dollars worth of pullovers and all those ones that you just showed. They're 20 bucks. Yeah. I like it because they're plain. There's no words on them. There's no nothing. I mean, like, you know, I've got one today. It says Adidas, which today when I went to work, put a scarf over it so I could cover it up a little bit because I just like them when they don't have anything on them. Yes. For the most part. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like them. And again, there's like 28 colors you can choose from. Even better. Well, that's probably made us sound like the two oldest people ever. <laughs> I know. We, I we know. totally sound old on that one. Okay. So here's what I went with. And this, there's a little bit of a story behind this, which I've probably shared a few times. So I took a ceramics class when I was in college. It was one of my most favorite classes. And part of it was because it was a required fine arts class for freshmen. If you want to become a painter or something like that, you had to take different fine arts classes in the art program. One of them was ceramics. Well, I took it as a sixth year senior, (laughs) right? And I had all this upper level design studio kind of work ethic like i was in Mm. so they would say things like okay we're gonna build three vessels by thursday and it would be the week before and i'd make like a hundred you didn't have to buy the clay they provided the clay you just had to do the work wow yeah that's yeah yeah so everyone's like here's my three and i was like i mean i made ones like we would make basically like vases but they were formed like this was not a spinning class. This was like pinch pots and building and Raku and doing glazing and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So I made all these vases, you know, and they were all hand built. And I'd say, what if I did this? Smash. What if I did this? Twist. What if I did this? Scrape, scrape. I, I literally made a hundred of them. And I only had to make three. 
teacher and I got along great. Because <laughs> for him, he's like, this dude is 100% in. For me, I was like, this is all about what if. Yeah. I don't have to pay for any of the clay? Are you kidding? What? Yeah, if I'm not having yes. to pay for my own model materials, come on, man. I mean, I, yeah, I, I went mean. bonkers. And I always thought that if I ever won the lottery, I would totally start throwing ceramics. I would totally do it. So there's a group. They're in New York. There's not a lot of times where I kind of wish I lived in New York. Most of the time, I'm like, I'm glad I don't live in New York. But they're based out of New York. And this is Jono Pandolfi. They make like heavy-duty ceramic serving pieces. You can go to their website, and you can buy stuff for your table. Like you can buy dishes, plates, salad bowls, and all that kind of stuff. And it originally, it's commercial grade. So if you watch any of their videos, they're like chucking the stuff around, and it doesn't break. It doesn't chip. They're like, look, we can't sell thin stuff because it'll break. We recognize, so we make heavy-duty stuff. But what I've included here is a eight inch square sided bowl, which basically means if you imagine like a flat plate, but then the sides come up about an inch and a half and they're perpendicular to the horizontal surface. So if you came in, you want to drop your keys in somewhere, you want to drop your pens or your little note cards or your wallet or something into, this would be one of those sorts of things. Or if you had like a nightstand and you want to set your drink down, but you don't want to have like some jank sample coaster you could set your drink down in, in this like this is a nice thing this earthenware is what this is they make tons of cool stuff so even if you're not interested in this particular piece this eight inch square sided ball which is 48 dollars, i mean you'll never throw this away this is another one of those things that you'll never throw there's no reason for you ever to get rid of this but if you want to look at serving dishes or you want to look at mugs that you want to drink out of because they're earthenware they're heavy duty they'll hold the heat better there's tons of really great stuff and they all hand make all this is all handmade stuff. That's super cool. So that was my seasoned architect piece because you know what? I'm a seasoned architect and I want it. So therefore it qualifies. <laughs> looks like nice stuff. The things about that I always worry about is the color selection for me, but. Oh, and you know what? The truth is, is they have like a jillion different colors that you can go into. So look, I'll pull up just for the sake of our conversation, like all these different kind of colors that you could end up going through. Mm -hmm. Just different ones that you would. This is just from the bowl, right? And it's all earthenware. So it's it's dishwasher safe. It's microwave safe. It's all made in New York. But this stuff was originally made for restaurants. It's pretty heavy duty. So for example, if I wanted to go with, say, bowls as an example, look at the different all the different shapes and sizes of bowls that they have. Yeah. You can get dark brown outside. You can get toasted clay outside. You can get white glaze, moss glaze, birch glaze. It just goes on and on of the different kind of pieces that you can end up getting. Mm -hmm. If that's something that you're into, which I am. So this is a three-piece setting of the same kind of bowl, and they come in different sizes. This kind of stuff, if I won the lottery, this is what I would do. I would go make this stuff. This is what I would do. Mm -hmm. I look at this and I go, this is awesome. This stuff is just, it's its that nice. Yeah, it's nice stuff. Yeah. And again, like if you don't want what I got, you can buy bundles. You could buy like an entire place setting for your house. Now, it ain't, it's not cheap. Yeah. This is a lot of pieces. Look at this. This is what? One, two, three, four, five. This is like a 28 piece set. Yeah. It's 800 bucks. But it's its all—it's bowls, it's plates. Yeah, it's, it's everything. Cereal bowls, sure, sure. It's salad bowls, it's dinner. It's, yeah, it's an entire place setting. Yeah. 
Look, they got vases. They got like all kinds of wacky. Look, it's like charcuterie boards, if that's your thing. They got it all. It's really great stuff. And what kills me, this is the part that kills me. If I was in New York, like once a month, they have a, come buy all the, the stuff that's just kind of slightly off. Yeah, a little bit out, a little bit not great. Yeah. And they advertise for it. And I'm like, that stuff all looks perfect. Yeah. Or it looks yeah. like it's all handmade to begin with. So what level of perfection are you expecting? <laughs> and man, I would do that in a heartbeat. They'd go, oh, Borson's here again. That's how that would go. Okay. The next one we have is best gift that nobody has heard of before. Which, you know what? This might actually be, of all the gifts we have, like the hardest one. Yeah. That no one's ever heard of. Yeah. So I spent hours and hours looking for something. And I went, you know, there was one thing that I put on, actually made this graphic for a different episode that we did, and I never shared it. I don't know why I didn't share it. And it's one of these things that I totally love. So this piece is actually, it's a reproduction piece from Vitra. So it's licensed. And it is mm. the Eames House Whale. And it's, it's a giant block of birch that they've, the Eameses, they, this was one of the things that they did. This piece is just over two feet long. It's about 28 inches long. It's a piece of birch that's been carved into the shape of a whale. And I look at this thing and it just makes, I love it. It just makes me happy. And you need to do a little comparison shopping because if you actually go through the Vitra site, you can get this thing for like 700 bucks. If you don't, someone's going to charge you like $1,400 for it. I mean, I yeah. saw prices all over the place. Now, I don't expect this being right for everybody. One, you got to have some discretionary income. If you are worried about, like, I'm eating peanut butter sandwiches this month, this is not the gift for you. Like, you should not spend $700 on a, on a house whale. No, you should. I'm not going to lie. But for me, maybe give myself a year and a half and I just kind of take the change from, like, whatever I'm buying. And in a year and a half, I might end up saving enough money where I can buy this thing and not feel the sting of it. But look at that. Look at that glorious <laughs> bastard. Yeah, it's wild that it's two feet long. It's a big whale. Two feet long. Yeah. And you know what? I have I like whales. I have like the coolest bottle opener, like a beer bottle opener, mm -hmm. for a cast yeah. iron, and it's a whale. I got it at Sea Ranch. Love it. So these whale things, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a if it's kink or something for me, but I like whales. So this thing I think is really cool. And I've never seen one in real life before. In real life, yeah. Does they have this one in a smaller size? Or no? Uh, no, they do. You can actually get this in different sizes. Yeah, I would say they have a couple of different sizes of that one. That's what I thought. Yeah, this is actually the original size. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. this one's 70 centimeters long. But they have smaller versions so. now. I mean, you can get one that's like eight inches or something I've seen. It's pretty small. And I've seen one of those before. Granted, it could have been a knockoff also, but I mean, like a, yes. like a crazy knockoff, you know, like it was $8 or something like <laughs> the you know, at the, the flea market. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I can't get behind that because I don't want someone coming back at me. Like, I could have found a cheaper one for sure, but this one's a, is at least- Authentic, yeah. Authentic reproduction, right? It's a reproduction because it's not the number one. It's not the first one. So, obviously, they're all reproductions. Yeah. But So, what do you got? What's your best <laughs> gift that nobody's heard of? This was a hard one for me, too, because I was just like, I don't really know. And honestly, I started going through some of the stuff I've saved on socials that I thought was interesting. 
And so then I came up with this one. And this one's, that's $700. This one may be in that same general vein. I think because I like and used to make furniture. This is called the Transformer Table. And so it is a, not a new concept of a table that you can add leaves to and make it longer and all this kind of stuff. But this one's got a more of a modern vibe to it and you can stretch out this table. Yeah, it looks like a trestle table. Yeah, you can stretch it out a long way and do a bunch of different stuff. And so I thought it was pretty interesting and pretty cool. And of course, it depends on how big it is, how much you want to stretch, how much it costs. But it can get pretty big where it looks like it could seat almost 16 people or something around this table. And so I thought it was interesting, again, because I used to make a lot of furniture. And so this it appealed to me because of that. But it's just an expandable table that has leaves that you can add to it. But it's still it's a very simple, plain, almost minimal table in the way that it looks. Yeah, that the little video they're showing, that woman clearly didn't have a problem making this go from small table to giant yeah, table yeah, by herself. So, I don't know. I mean, and I had some. Right. Oh, I have some old antique tables like that growing up. I mean, my parents had plenty that we'd put the leaves inside the table. And so this is just a different version of that too. So maybe that's why it appeals to me because it reminds me of being in my house as a kid. They're having a big Black Friday sale coming up apparently. So if you're early into it, go check it out. No, <laughs> time to act. Okay. All right. We're in the home stretch. The last thing that we have, and I thought about cheating and doing two, not like the bar set because that's really one, but there's multiple products within the one. Yeah. So the topic is best gift missed opportunity. And the idea was this is something we have told you before that you should get. And we're doubling down on it. We're saying, you know what, folks, don't sleep on this. It's that good. It's worth getting. This is a winner. I know what yours is because we talked about it before the show, and it is a winner. And it was well-received. But if you missed it that time, don't miss it this time. All right, Andrew, you're up. Oh, I'm first? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mine is these book darts. If you're not familiar with them, they're little, almost little metal book marks. Darts. <laughs> like, I don't know how you call it, but they're little metal folded over pieces and they're only i don't know they're maybe half an inch long or something they're very small very small and you can put them on book pages instead of sticky notes or post-it tabs or whatever that stuff is these are nice little metal place markers essentially for for your books yeah and so you can get this they come in this little tin i mean think of like an altoid tin but it's round and they come in a count of 50 for 11 bucks yeah that's super cheap. They're really awesome. And then when you fold the book up, they're still there. You can put them on the top. You can put them on the sides. You can put them on the bottom of the books, wherever, and you can still get the book back on the bookshelf, but then you still have the pages saved. They're really great, great things to place hold in your books and also not really ruin the books. Yes. If you leave them there for 10 years, you're not going to have go back and there's residue all over it because the post-it note disintegrated in, or whatever, right? Yep. So they're little stainless steel bookmarkers essentially, but and they're... I mean, they're awesome. That's all I can say. They're awesome. Yeah, they are awesome. They're not obnoxious. Don't ruin your books. Yeah. You don't even see them when it's sitting on the shelf. Yes, those were great. And the year that you put them on your list, they were very well received. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody that saw them then liked them. So I mean, they're just coming back around for, a, yeah. for an encore, I guess, maybe. Yes, as they should. So speaking of coming back around for an encore... This was just on last year's list. And when I put it on last year's list, it's because it was something that I wanted. 
Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, not only did I want it then, I got it. <laughs> so I have this. And these are these vintage posters. And the ones I went with, I got these Bauhaus ones is the ones that I went with. And I actually, I had a Bascout one that, and the truth is, is they were really great because they actually sent me the wrong one. I was having a big house party and I wanted to have this stuff. The ones I went with were two foot by three foot. They're vertically oriented. And I ended up getting these ones here that are on the screen. And they're they're on really, really nice paper. Mm-hmm. It's a high quality print. They're vintage in their appearance, but that they're not torn up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So vintage just means it's like a, it's a, the design is classic, but the uh, printing and the paper and everything is it's a new thing. So, so these Kusama ones that they have, mm-hmm. I actually got one of these Kusamas. The Kusama one that I got was this one right here. Mm-hmm. It's a square. It says Tokyo 1992 on it, and it's got these black dots that are on it. It's really, really cool. It's It looks great. And you can get them all in all these different sizes based on how big you want it. Mine are in this giant hallway that in my house. The ones that I went with were two foot by three foot. And what I ended up doing with that, I went to Ikea, and they make a poster frame that you can buy. It's a nice frame for 25 bucks that these fit into perfectly. So each one of these posters is about 80 bucks at two foot by three foot, high quality paper, $80, $25 frame from Ikea, and you're done. And it looks super pro level, highly recommended. They're in my house. And I don't think I've ever had anybody when they came to my house, not look at them and make a comment. You just don't, you've never seen these anywhere before. Mm-hmm. So if people missed them last time, I'm telling you, I didn't. I got them. They're Bob approved. They're in my house and they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. There's some cool stuff in there that you were scrolling through. It looks nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Nice stuff. I, I thought about, it was funny. One of the guys I work with as a gift to me, he bought a sticker, one of my stickers that was on my Redbubble site mm-hmm. and gave it to me. And I was like, you do realize that this is like, I have this. This is my sticker. I made these for me. I just put them on here so that other people can get them. But I put them on there because I wanted it. So I have this. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's cool. I just thought you might want one. I was like, all right, thanks. Cool. That is nice. Thank you for getting this for me. And it's like a dollar thirty, And I stuck it on my car this last weekend. And I took a picture of it and posted it to Instagram. And I had like 50 people go, I got to get one of these for my truck. And so I put a link to it. So, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put that as a stocking stuffer. It's $1.30. I have all these different stickers that you can get that are kind of architectural themed. That was the one that I thought about including, but I'm like, ah, I'll just make it a stocking stuffer. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, because it's funny, the one that I put on there, they're so cheap. I'm amazed at how you can do this stuff. Like the one that I got was was this one right here, was the the architectural Jolly Rogers mm-hmm. is, is what I went with. Yeah. And it looks great on the car, even though I think maybe my favorite one is the the one that's red. It looks like some kind of like biohazard. The black and red one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of them in here. They're all kind of they're all kind of fun. So Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. That's this year's 2023. Yes. We're good. Man, that's a lot. Yeah. 
every year I kind of go, I feel like we did a good job. And then I look at the next year and I'm like, oh, that wasn't that great. Yeah. This year's different though. I'm feeling pretty good about my gifts. Oh, are you? I'm still iffy. It was hard. It's so hard. I've spent more time on this year's gift list than probably the last five years combined. I'm like, this might actually be the last year we do it. <laughs> I mean, I can't keep coming up with these things. Hey, we should just be like greatest hits from now on. Man. There's four things. Or we're just going to have to cut the list down and it's just be like, we're going to pick four things. There's no categories. It's just four gifts. That's it. And that's all it is. Maybe. May- it's hard. Four things. So yeah. if the gifts list works for you, just let us know because maybe that'll help motivate us to keep doing it. I do like my gifts this year. I mean, I do want them. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So it's time to move on. And we're going to do a what's the rank for today. It's funny. I was trying to make it holiday themed. And during our AI, we we ranked Christmas cookies, if you remember that. Oh, did we? And then, yeah. Oh. And then the year, or we just ranked cookies, really. But in my mind, that's, that's oh. all Christmas cookies anyway. It's the only time of year I eat cookies. And then last year, we did the top three Christmas foods. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your list was the worst list I've ever, is the worst. You had eggnog garbage as number three. Yeah. I can't remember what you had at number two, but then you had basically check mix as your number one. Yeah. Texas trash. And everyone, I was like, well, I don't understand that list at all. Yeah. It's what makes me think of Christmas. Uh, so I was trying to make it a holiday theme and I was just struggling. I was not doing a good job on it. But it got my mind to like, we should rank nostalgic foods. So what I ended up doing, this is the list. Well, normally we do three, but we're going to go fast and we're going to do top five children's cereal. So this is the cereal you ate as a child. Mm. Like what you wanted or what you got. Okay. Well, I was like, mm, 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 I want that. So yeah, this is rapid fire, as fast as you can possibly do it. Because the thing is, is I have my top five. It doesn't really matter the order, to be honest with you. They're all bangers. Every one of these is amazing. And I would eat it today. Okay. I, like, I literally, I would go eat all of these when I get up this phone call. Mm. Okay. All right. So what's your number five? My number five is just plain old Cheerios. Plain Cheerios? Uh-huh. Okay. It's weird. That's like, no. I like Cheerios, but plain Cheerios? Really? That's number five? But I would put about eight spoonfuls of sugar in them. So really, you just end up with like unmelted sugar milk at the bottom. All right. Okay. I can get behind that. Yeah. All right. My number five, Cocoa Puffs. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The reason why I like the Cocoa Puffs is they were kind of chocolatey. They were sweet, obviously. They didn't get soggy. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to eat them at rocket fuel pace before they turned into absolute garbage. Interesting. And then the milk was like drinking amazing chocolate milk. When? I never got into chocolate cereal. I don't know why. That's the only one I liked. I don't even like chocolate as a thing, but Cocoa Puffs, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, the next one for me is a big stretch to Honey Nut Cheerios. Oh, you know what? I'm a fan of the Honey I'd eat those. Yeah. Honey Nut Cheerios is on my list. I might as well make them my number four because they're amazing. I love Honey Nut Cheerios. In fact, I ate a bottle of Honey Nut Cheerios two days ago in my house. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not sure that those qualify as kid cereal, but I kind of feel like they were. I think that they were marketed towards us with that little bee and stuff when we were kids. All right. So what was your number three then? My number three is Fruit Loops. 
Maybe Toucan Sam, Fruit Loops. You know what? In the effort of research, I ate Fruit Loops earlier this week. Not that good. Oh. You know what? Fruit Loops were going to be on my list because as a kid, I loved them. First off, they're much smaller now than when I was a kid. Oh, I'm sure. And they're they're not as sweet. They're not. It's just the level of roof destroying power that Fruit Loops had, top shelf. Yeah. They will destroy your mouth. And you know what? They're just, you should eat a bowl of Fruit Loops and just see if it's as good as you remember. Uh, yeah, I haven't had a bowl of Fruit Loops in I don't know how long. Mine was last week, like I said. In fact, so in our office, we buy a lot of little single serving cereal for people oh, uh-huh. in the office. Yeah. And I went in there one day and there were five different cereals that were available. And four of the five were on this list for me. <laughs> and the only one that wasn't was- Nice. And don't tell me if this is on your list, but was Cinnamon Toast Crunch, uh, which I've never had in my life. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they're like, that's their number one. They think that's the greatest cereal ever made. Yeah. I go, never had it before. So my number three, not too big of a departure from Fruit Loops, is Apple Jacks. And- Literally, my dedication to research, I bought a box of Apple Jacks this last weekend. Amazing. They still hold up. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I literally, if I could get all of my necessary vitamins and nutrients from Apple Jacks, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. They were amazing. I was so good. Now, again, they destroyed the roof of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It was shredded, but delicious. Yeah. All in. All right. Yeah. Number two. My number two is Apple Jacks. Yes. Because <laughs> I agree. They're so good. Apple Jacks are awesome. They're yes. so good. Yes. I used to just love Apple Jacks, man. Okay. Number two for me, Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. Mm. And you know what? One of the things that they didn't have when I was a kid that you get now is the, oh no, something went wrong at the plant and you can get a box of nothing but the Crunch Berries. Oops, all berries. Yep. Yeah. That's what it is. Oops, all berries. Oh, I know. My kids used to eat the bejesus out of those. Oh my God, I would, you know what? Also delicious. In fact, I bought a box of those two weeks ago. It's funny. Again, dedication. And I made, instead of doing Rice Krispie treats, I did Captain Crunch Crunchberry treats to see how that would, see how that would work. Oh, wow. Absolutely destroyed my mouth. Like <laughs> There was no milk to even eventually kind of soften yeah. the palate destruction capabilities of Crunchberries. I gotcha. So I don't recommend them as Rice Krispie Treat substitutes. Rice Krispie Treat. As cereal. Yes, great. All right, number one. Let's hear mm-hmm. it. Number one. My number one is honeycombs. Oh, really? That's like eating sweetened yes. cardboard. No, those things were the best. They're the worst. No, they were the best because like all the little honeycomb things, the combs would get full of milk. No. They were perfect. <laughs> that was my favorite cereal. I would eat them like nobody's business. Oh. Granted, again- I haven't had these in ages, but that was my favorite too, probably as a kid, was Honeycombs and Apple Jacks. Right next to Apple Jacks. Those were the two. I've eaten every cereal on my list in the last month, except for Cocoa Puffs. Mm. And you know what? And I'm like, I'm going to cross Cocoa Puffs off the list this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So number one on my list was Frosted Flakes. I loved Frosted Flakes. Bah. Look, See, you, look, you just, you have no credibility because you put Honeycomb as number one. Man, Frosted Flakes soggy so fast, so fast. You know they what? Get soggy so fast. 
were never a problem for me because I ate them so fast. Because you just yes. mowed them down so fast it didn't really matter? It was never an yeah, issue. No. In fact, I would pour a bowl, get my bowl up, fill it up with Frosted Flakes, pour the milk in it, and I'd start eating it. And I would have leftover milk and I would just double down with Frosted Flakes. So it'd be like 2X sweetened milk. Yeah. It was like drinking syrup. They were so sweet. Well, that's how my Cheerios would be. It would be frosting at the bottom because of the milk and the sugar to just kind of congeal together. But I can't do Frosted Flakes. Also, though, I never put a lot of milk in my cereal, mainly to avoid the sog. I was always just bare minimum of milk in there to kind of just wash it over a little bit. But that was about it. Look, there's two cereals because I asked somebody else's question, grown man. And he had two cereals on his list. And I was like, I can't take you seriously. Two of his top cereals, frosted mini wheats, garbage, total garbage. And he didn't like Mm. the mini ones. He liked the brick, the ones that like, yeah, I go, that's what a horse would eat. Like this, that's, and you couldn't eat those fast enough. They literally went from like dry hay to garbage sog in 0.2 seconds. Mm -hmm. Maybe the worst cereal ever made. And then as a child, as a child, his favorite number one cereal as a child was grape nuts. Are you kidding me? I go, yeah, did no. you have problems? Does he have teeth? <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with you? Did you have a problem moving your bowels as a child? Like, that's the only reason yeah. why anybody would eat grape nuts. Yeah. My dad used to eat grape nuts all the time. I, I was not uh, a fan. No, yeah. nobody was a fan. People that had health issues ate grape nuts. Yeah, I thought about putting Rice Krispies on my list. I liked Rice Krispies as a kid because they would make a lot of noise and stuff. Snap, crackle, they, and pop. Yeah, but they would get socky pretty quick. You got to go fast. Yeah, if you weren't careful, man, it was like done. So, Well, all the cereals on my list were basically insulated from getting soggy. You know, in Frosted Flakes, they had like such a sugar shellac coating on it that you could buy enough time to keep them from getting soggy in the amount of time it took to eat them. Maybe. I don't know that I believe that, but yeah. You know what? I'll stack my five up against anybody, anywhere, anytime. (sighs) Okay. And if you come at me with cookie crisp, mm, you're a psychopath. (laughs) I forgot about those. Yeah. My middle sister, she loved cookie crisp. Do they even make those anymore? I don't know. They should be. They're they're illegal, I think. Like, there's like, there's no health (laughs) benefits at all. Though a part of this healthy breakfast, and they would show like all the healthy stuff. And then the bowl of cereal, yes, right? Yeah, yes, I know. Yes. So I'm surprised that nobody, Lucky Charms or Tricks. I mean, I like Tricks okay. Lucky Charms, there was yeah. like the marshmallows, which were amazing. And then like the cardboard part that wasn't. Yeah. And so it was about, I want to get like the marshmallow dense bowl, not the 50 50 mix. Yeah. Not the other stuff. Yeah. 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 So. All right. Well, this was an illuminating conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as well, but I think it's time to call it a wrap. Thank you for being with us today for episode 139, Holiday Gift Guide for Architects. Special thanks to our sponsor, Construction Specialties, maker of architectural building products designed to master the movement of buildings, people, and natural elements. Construction Specialties has been creating inspired solutions for a more intelligently built environment since 1948. Visit MasteringMovement.net to learn more. 
In addition, special thanks to our media sponsors, Building Design and Construction, for their ongoing support of the Life of an Architect podcast. Want to get every new episode automatically downloaded? We're available on all major podcast platforms, so hit that subscribe button and you'll get notified every two weeks when we publish another dazzling new episode. While you're there, please consider leaving us a comment, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five hose rating. <laughs> to get even more content, head over to lifeofanarchitect.com for blog posts, links, and info about this festive episode and all the website has to offer. You can even add your voice and join the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.